everyone. Welcome back to another week of With Love Alexa. Today I'm talking with Emily Wise about raising awareness for mental health and PTSD. Hey, Emily, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Alexa? Good, thanks. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. I always love meeting like new people and like hearing everyone's stories because everyone's is so different. Yeah, definitely. Can you tell us a little bit about you and like maybe about your background? Um, yeah, so I grew up in Central California. Um, so it's a kind of a medium, smaller, medium-sized California town. So not not ginormous or anything. Um, my dad was a police officer, and my mom is a nurse practitioner. And so my my mom is the narcissist. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I didn't even know what that was until a few years ago. I didn't realize it was a thing, and I didn't realize how they treated people. So growing up, I always just thought that there was something wrong with me and that I was not ever going to be good enough about anything, and I thought that was normal. Um, And then so I met Joe, who is my second husband, about eight years ago. And he has PTSD from two tours of combat. And so I had to start studying PTSD to see exactly what I was getting into with this guy. And then um, I started noticing some commonalities between our behavior and feelings and symptoms um, and started studying more about mental health in general. And it really, really opened up a lot for me. Yeah. So you... Um, he had already gone through combat twice when you met him. Yes. So, um, so you were in a military one. In... No, well, I was with my first husband. Um, oh. <laughs> he was in the army too. Oh. And, uh, yeah. So, and that was probably why we were married for so long because we were never together. But, yeah. But with Joe, yeah, he had done all that before we were married. So. Do you have any kids? We do. So I have a 15-year-old from my first marriage, and Joe and I have a 7-year-old together. And then he has a 26-year-old and an 11-year-old back in California. Okay. Where are you guys living now? We're living in Iowa. Oh, that's a big change. Not too far away from (laughs) Michigan, right? No, not at all. Because you're part of the East Coast. I mean, not East Coast, um, Eastern Time Zone. Oh, uh, I'm on I'm on the central time zone. Oh, okay. Yeah, I always get confused. Yeah. I know like Illinois, Chicago is like that too, but Yeah. Yeah, it's trying to figure out everybody's timing is so I know. It's interesting. I know. Um, sometimes Yeah, we Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no. I was just saying sometimes it is hard to figure out yeah. timing. Um, so we actually moved to Iowa to get a little well, out of California cuz it's crazy, but um away from my mother a little bit so that um her family is from here but they're from quite a bit up north okay and so we we weren't gonna have to be and then she bought a condo in iowa city which was where we had moved to oh. after we moved here so, so is she there now no it was only so that she could have somewhere to stay when she visited oh even though she owned land where her family lived um she's wanted to be able to be 
closer and visit more often and be able to stay closer to us, I guess. And it was really weird. I don't know why you'd spend $100,000 on a condo, a condo that you visit three times a year. But Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I guess if you can afford it. Part of the it. control thing. Yeah. <laughs> so was yeah. it always like that growing up? Like, was she always from when you can remember or did it more happen mm-hmm. later on in life? Oh, it was always like that. It was um, dealing dealing with a narcissist is so weird because they're not going to get diagnosed on their own most of the time because they do, you know, everything is about appearances. Yeah. So everything is about appearing to be perfect. Um, and so they're not going to go and seek help for anything because they don't think that they need it. They think it's everybody else's problem. Right. So it's... Um, and so I have a younger brother and then I, I have a stepbrother and a stepsister. And so they always pick somebody to single out. And it was actually me and my stepbrother that, that she chose. And then my brother and stepsister were the, the good ones and the perfect ones. Oh. So it was very... Lucky you. If they kept... Yeah, that was <laughs> awesome. So if they kept us at odds with each other, then it was a way for for her to control our relationships and control how we thought and what we said and what we did so that we could, she could make sure that we were always portraying the image of this perfect family. Yeah, except for the inside when no one would yeah. close doors. Yeah, because then, you know, and she tells you that you're going to embarrass her and then she won't have any patience and then we won't be able to pay our bills and it'll be all your fault when you're like 15. It's a little bit much. I think that's a lot at any age, but especially like in that age where it's like you're a teenager, you're going through the ups and downs like of life as it was. Mm-hmm. Yep. It um it's a lot. And you know, in the eighties and nineties, people weren't talking a lot about mental health. Right. So it's not like it is now where you grow up and you kind of recognize things. Um and there was no internet really yet. Yeah. So it's not like you could easily do research. Um, so like, I didn't realize any of this probably until about, like I said, seven or eight years ago when I really started studying PTSD for Joe just to find out how can I support him as a spouse? Um, what do I need to look out for? How much is illness related and how much is him being a jerk? You know, kind of a thing. Yeah. <laughs> so... They um, and then I started noticing. Well, okay, so I I feel like this, and these are oh goodness, this is this is me. Um, and then I had seen she worked in the medical community. She was a nurse practitioner, so I had seen a counselor because at the age of thirteen I started becoming very depressed. And so I saw this counselor, and I'd sit there and I'd try to talk about my relationship with my mom and how she'd hurt my feelings or do this or do that and how I was feeling. She was my mom's friend. Uh-huh. So she thought my mom was perfect, like everybody else. So I didn't get any help there, really. Yeah, um, that's why. It just reinforced like, that it was my fault. Yeah. Because she, would she tell your mom, even though technically you're not supposed to? I don't know. I do know my mom looked in my medical records. Uh. But, um, yeah. Because, of course, I was a patient at her office. And that was before electronic medical records, so she could just go pull the chart and read my doctor's notes. Um, That's why you need the objective. 
not like someone that knows the family. Yeah, well, and it was at a clinic that she didn't work at very often. Um, her medical group had various clinics around the county. And so I was, I went to the one where she didn't go very often, and then she started going there more often and had access to the filing system. So she would pull my chart and read it. So, Did you have a yeah. close relationship, like, with your stepbrother or your other siblings? Um, not really, we would hang out a little bit, and we were all very close in age. My my brother's two years younger. My stepsister's 15 days older, um, or 11 days older. And then my um, stepbrother was three years younger than me. So we were all very close, and we'd play and stuff when we were kids. But as we grew older, we just kind of grew apart, and now none of us talk to each other at all. That's so sad. But yeah. it's unfortunately it's so normal, and that's the sad thing. Like most, there's so many families that like siblings like don't talk. Mm-hmm. And I mean, a big part of it was telling my mom that she wasn't going to be a part of my life anymore and cutting off contact with her. Of course, you know, my brother got mad and would call up and yell and cuss me out, and so eventually I had to block his phone number because I wasn't going to have that. Um, well, right, because he almost, was the perfect child, so. Yeah, exactly. In, in her so, head. Yeah, and I still keep in touch with my dad, and of course my dad talks to my brother, but that relationship is strained too because of just the amount of control that my mom has um, over everything. It's, I mean, she would do this thing, like every time we would come back from visiting our dad's house, she'd just bash him for hours and make us feel bad for enjoying our dad's company. So... You know what she did to me when I decided not to talk to her anymore. It was pretty much the same thing. I'd get calls from her friends, um, oh. text messages from them, and... Just get a new number. It was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I blocked them all. I was like, I'm not changing my number. You guys stop calling me. <laughs> and she still wanted to move closer? So this was after that. Um, oh, okay. That, okay. that makes more sense. Yeah, and she didn't even want to move here. She wanted to keep her house in, in California. She wanted a place to come and visit, like, and she wouldn't come to our house. She she would have us come to her condo, um, and if she was going to watch our kids, she would watch them there, even though they didn't have anything there to play with. Yeah, um, and they probably weren't comfortable yeah. there. No, they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I um, couldn't imagine them being. No. And then kind of the last straw for me was, you know, every time she would watch them, they would come back on a different medicine with a new diagnosis. What? Yeah. She had, like, I got a dog, so she said that my son had asthma and couldn't breathe because he coughed every once in a while. Um, and she put him on an inhaler. Um, things like that. Isn't or that she would make up that they had acid reflux and she'd put them on... Uh, an acid reflux medicine. Um, and I'm like, you're not going to put my kids on meds. So like with the dog, I went and got a blood test. Well, he's allergic to dust mites. She never washed, washed her comforters and she didn't dust as often as you probably should. So of course he coughed at her house. He was allergic to it. Um, and if you feed a kid chicken nuggets and macaroni and cheese, they're going to have a stomach ache if that's all you feed them. Yeah. So, so isn't that, is yeah. that kind of like is that Munchausen by proxy also, or is that different? 
No, it, it's a, it, yeah, it's like a mild form because she wasn't trying to make them right. sick for or hypochondria, but she was trying to diagnose them. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the problem yeah. with internet and like being in the medical field too. It's like, I yeah. don't know. <laughs> and she's very well respected at home um, by a lot of people. And so, you know, I have a lot of people, oh yeah, I see your mom, I'm her patient. Oh, that's awesome. She's such a great lady. Oh yeah, she really is. <laughs> She's yeah, because it's the outside. Yeah. <laughs> and then inside, you grow up thinking, well, my mom doesn't really like me very much, and she's not very nice to me, and so it must be my fault, and yep. I'm awful. And then you learn to equate, you know, like, not being the best at something with, I'm a horrible person. Yep. And and I can instead see that. of, I just didn't do a good job with that one thing. What was your... Um, stepdad like like at home like with her um very enabling okay. so yeah he um she kind of manipulated his career to the point I mean he was a laid off envelope salesman when that together and then I mean she paid for him to go back to school get his teaching credentials and he moved up and now he was, and then last I heard he was the assistant superintendent there in their school district. Um, and it was very much, you know, who she knew. Yeah. Yeah, so, because you said it was like a smaller town, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, it's not very big. And he just wouldn't behave um sorry it's been breaking up a little oh it's okay so i couldn't hear some of it but because you were we were saying about this it's like a smaller town yeah it's just not a very big town um so very you know not tiny it's not like it's 500 people or anything and but it's one of those places where the people that know each other um, that that can make decisions, you know, like council members and yeah. um, different board members for things, you know, like if you know them, then you're in a good spot. Okay. Yeah. Or if you're like on their good side. Yeah. Especially <laughs> if you're their family doctor. <laughs> yeah. So I could see that being pretty rough then. Yeah, and, no one and it's would not really like you help can go you. tell anybody about it because they either don't believe you or they don't want to make her mad. So you're yep. kind of in a tough spot. You just have to keep it all to yourself. Um, um and, I mean, oh no, go ahead. No, you go. Sorry. <laughs> oh, it's, it's and like I said, it's not like I really knew. I told my dad when I was 15 that I was suicidal and he told me I had nothing to complain about because other people had it worse. Oh. And so I would always think, okay, he's right. It's really, it's not like she's beating me every day or something. She just hurts my feelings a lot. So, right, what do I have to complain about? Kind of a thing. Yeah, I, I've always hated that, like, saying, because everybody, good, bad, everyone has their own stuff. Like, it's just, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just, to me, that's how I've always, like, I used to hear that a lot. It's like, at least you're not this, or at least you're not mm -hmm. that. But it's like, like, I'm in chronic pain. But mine isn't, let's say, like, 
progressive where mm-hmm. I could, God forbid, die. But it's still being in pain 24-7 isn't easy. It's still your feelings and your thoughts. No, it takes a lot out of you. Yeah. Probably yeah, exhausted exactly. every like, day. We don't need to minimize other people's issues to, to make ourselves feel better. Right. Know? I agree. Um, I think it's okay to, to recognize... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. You go. Oh. I, I, I think it's okay to recognize that we have a problem and we're feeling a certain way and we have this issue and that helps you work on it when you recognize that it's there. Yeah, and I think, too, now that it's less um, stigmatized to, and people are talking more, I think that also... Is, helps with that in the sense of being able to feel like you can say how you're feeling without being judged as much mm-hmm. as like it used to be. Yeah, people don't look at you like you're crazy anymore. Right. I mean, there's yeah. still plenty, but not not everyone as much. Yeah, you're always going to have some people that just because they can't see it, they don't believe it. Yeah. Um, and that's going to be with everything. But there's less of them now, or at least they're quieter about it if that's how they feel. Right. No, that's definitely like my saying is, I always say um, people don't understand what they can't see unless Mm -hmm. they've been there themselves. Exactly. Um, So you were saying a little, like a while ago, um, about when you were looking up uh, the PTSD, you also Mm -hmm. like noticed a lot of similar things that you had together. Mm-hmm. What what was that like? Like find like experiencing the PTSD with your husband. It was weird um, because when I was looking up all that stuff, I kind of said, "Oh yeah, you know, I'm having this stuff," and then I ignored it in myself because I was focused on helping him because it's it's a lot harder to look at yourself and be honest um, than it is to say, okay, so this person has this, I'm gonna help them first. So, and then of course we had an infant right after that. So it was it was nice to realize that there was something happening and then I brushed it aside to help him. <laughs> so, yeah. What were some yeah. triggers you've noticed? Um, so for me, crowds, and a lot of noise. Um, so when when I was married to my first husband, he was stationed at Fort Bragg in North Carolina. And I would go to the commissary there and I would start having panic attacks, but I didn't know what they were. So I didn't realize that when I couldn't breathe and I would start wanting to cry and then everything would get really, like I'd start feeling really dizzy. Um, I didn't know that that was a panic attack until about five years ago. Yeah. So it, it took me like 10 years to realize that that's what was happening. And I just stopped going to the commissary and went to the regular grocery store because I thought maybe I was allergic to something there. Um, so, you know, like for and the same thing for Joe, if we're he can't really handle crowds of people either very well. Um, so even to go to Costco, sometimes we'll just give ourselves a little pep talk. Like, you ready for it? Yeah, I'm ready for it. Let's go. Um for him traffic when somebody's acting like like a jerk in yeah. traffic he gets very worried because after being in combat it, those are the people that would try to shoot you or blow you up so yeah I can you know, see that 
Yeah, so that he used to get very angry when he drove. Um, and then I got him into audiobooks, and now he listens to those when he drives, and he's a little calmer, which is nice. Um, for both of us, like, a lot of noise. So when he comes home, and then the TV's on, and then the kids are being loud or trying to talk over us, so we're trying to have a conversation, and the dogs are barking, it's a lot. Um so sometimes you have to say, okay, you two go out there, take the dogs outside, turn the TV off for a minute, and let us talk for five minutes. Um, you know, things like that. Just everyday life things that people deal with that it's just harder. don't seem like they would be a big deal or a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I don't know if it's like still part PTSD, but my chronic pain came from a bad car accident. And. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of issues like driving or like at least being in a car. Like I always have to like hold on to the thing anytime like a car gets close. Yeah. Or sometimes like my perception is off and like a lot of noise can sometimes bother me too. So I get it. Yeah. Now does that set off like pain for you or does that just make you like anxious or? I think it's more anxious um, Mm -hmm. because I'm always in pain. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of it is being anxious and um, like sometimes I'll be afraid like I'm going to get hit again in the car. So uh, yeah, I would be too. Yeah. So it's a lot. That's... It's not as bad, I think, when I'm driving because I'm in control, but it's like in a mm-hmm. situation where you're not in control, I think makes it worse. And that's a big thing for him, too. If he's so he likes to be the one to drive. Um, when we're driving because he that lack of control I think ramps his anxiety up too Um, so the only time that he doesn't drive is if we're in my car because my car doesn't like him very much (laughs) (laughs) I drive a 91 Jeep Wrangler so you know I always tease him that something breaks after he drives her (laughs) even though this is kind of a Jeep thing they just break (laughs) yeah Probably also it's a 91 too, so that could be. Yeah, yeah, it, um, but it's so much fun. So, um, and, you know, when we have, when it's summertime and the top is off and the doors are off and we're driving somewhere together, he's actually very relaxed when that's happening. Um, well, that's so one way we, to de-stress then. It is. It, it, it's a good way to de-stress. Um, and then we have dogs, so... Sometimes I'll be like, I need to go and just take the dogs out here on the nature trail and go for a walk for a little while. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love to read. He does. I love reading. That's my favorite. I read every night before bed, even if it's just a page or two. Um, yeah. I try to do that. Or sometimes I like playing like a f- game on my phone or something helps. It really does. Because um, you can just kind of focus on that and, and let other stuff happen around you is a little better. Yeah, so um, we're actually um, about to finish up. So okay. I wanted just to see like, if you maybe have anything left that you want to say that we might have missed or if there's any advice you have to people dealing with similar problems, however you want to wrap it up. Um, I would just say, you know, you have to be your own advocate because not... Not everybody is going to know what you're going through and how you're feeling. And so communication is very important, whether it's in your relationship or at your workplace. 
Um, anytime that you feel like somebody is being unfair to you and they should be more understanding of your situation, you need to remember that they may not know how you're feeling because they may not be educated on the subject or they're not able to empathize with you. Um, and so just tell them and let them know what's, what's going on with you. Um, I think that's, that's the best thing I can say. I couldn't have ended it better myself. That's my biggest <laughs> thing you. is always being your own advocate because no one knows you better than you know yourself. Nope. And if you're in a relationship with somebody, be their advocate too. Yep. And let them see you, let them see you supporting them because it, it does do a lot. Yes, I agree. Well, thank you so much, Emily. It has been a lot of fun talking with you and hearing your story. And that, Thank you. And that's it for another week of With Love Alexa. I'll see you guys soon.